This episode of Sweating the Small Stuff is brought to you by Podfaves.com. You love podcasts, but it's hard finding that next bingeable listen. Podfaves takes out the guesswork by curating a list of the best shows out there, so you can spend less time searching and more time listening. That's P-O-D-F-A-V-S dot com. And now that you know, let's get on with the show. Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your neural nutritionist, Samantha Spears, and today I am joined by... Apparently I'm out of a job. (laughs) Cameron Buzard-Jamary. Hello, I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzard-Jamary, and I've just been usurped (laughs) by our neural nutritionist, and I will now look for new employment. Yes, if you're wondering, I'm introducing the episode because this is one where I feel like I am bringing the topic and you are the expert for it. Yeah, this was actually wild because I was just hanging out in the uh, mental gymnasium. I was doing some reps, doing some curls, doing some pull-ups, reading mm-hmm. some books. Yeah, getting and swole, she just you just came in swoleness. like you came in with a look of determination, your laptop and a gun, and you're like, <laughs> Cameron, sit down because it is time to learn. <laughs> And then this audio equipment manifests itself as it does because the gymnasium is cursed. Yeah, and of course. here we are. This all seems perfectly reasonable. I don't know why you're being upset. I'm not being upset. <laughs> I'm explaining the very logical series of events that have led to this moment that all of our listeners are fully aware of because they understand the steep lore and have read the 17 graphic novels and three <laughs> regular novels that m- comprise the backstory uh, for the show. Yes, <laughs> I don't understand what your problem is. We have such dedicated fans. Okay, we do. Listen, if you're listening right now, I love you. I will come to your house and kiss you on the forehead right now. You are an amazing person. Thank you for listening to the show. Anyway, apparently we're doing this. Would you like to get us kicked off here? All right. Cameron, I'm going to try and tease you to see if you can figure out what topic we're going to talk about today. The movie we are discussing is iRobot. All right. I'm going to go with the Uncanny Valley. No, we are not. All right. Want to give it our guess? Alan Tudyk is a beautiful man, even when you can't see the actual face. He is. And that's going to be another episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll we'll work our way. That'll be our like 30th anniversary. And Alan Tudyk will just come on. It will be like, this is wild. But he's going to sound exactly like me. So you won't believe he's on. And we'll be like, no, please use your normal voice. <laughs> no. All right, so actually what we are talking about is a very minor detail in the movie. It's uh, self-driving cars. Yeah. Ooh, self-driving cars. That's definitely not important to the modern economy or anything. (laughs) What's up? Just as a refresher in the movie, what you have is Will Smith's character, and actually all the characters really, but Will Smith's main car you can see. It's like an Audi, and it is... An Audi? Yes, an you Audi. Mean an Audi? An Audi? Oh, whatever. It's, it's, it's in the ad. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> this is when we ruin the show because we get in this place. No, you could say you could say Audi, right? I'm sure you can. Uh, wait, is it Audi? Is I'm it pretty a- sure it's Audi. <laughs> Can we cut this? No, this is make- definitely <laughs> singing. No, no, As no, a person no. who's going to have to edit this. <laughs> Okay, so Will Smith is driving an Audi that has quite big balls. It has what? Its tires are balls. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Overlooking the very weird tires. All right. And your stupid soda. <laughs> I'm thirsty. This is making for excellent podcast gold. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, Will Smith has an Audi. Yes. <laughs> you thought you think this job is easy, Sam? You think you just walk in here? Well, it's easy when the co-host is actually not being a jerk. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> One more time. Will Smith has an Audi. Go. <laughs> All right. So, if you remember in the movie, Will Smith's car, he has an Audi, and it is... A self-driving car. It actually, you get into the front seat and there's like no steering wheel at all. And you just kind of sit there and you ride along and go for it. And then there's an option where you can switch into manual mode and press a button and then out pops this like funky little steering wheel, <laughs> little tiny thing. But you know, it does its job. And then you can manually operate the car. What I thought we could do this episode is actually compare some of those features to what's going on now in self-driving cars. All right. First of all, I love this idea. Uh, this is amazing. You're a perfect person. <laughs> Second of all, you bring up a very, very important point. How did that tiny steering wheel not result in more deaths than whatever those robots were up to? Right? It's like, a- <laughs> it seems like that was the AI's grand plan is to make us drive undrivable cars until we killed ourselves and then the robots inherit the earth. No, and actually, okay, so this is one point I really wanted to bring up is that in the movie, there's a line where, um, uh, I forgot the other main characters. Shia the Beef or the girl? No, the no the girl, not Shia LaBeef. <laughs> All right. The girl who's not Shia LaBeef. Shia LaBeef's a definite supporting actor, okay? <laughs> but she makes a point when Will Smith gets into the accident because the robots are attacking him and he decided to switch to self-driving car. She makes a point of saying, like, why were you in the self-driving mode? That's extremely unsafe. Basically a point of that no one does that now because it is extremely unsafe. Wait, wait, wait. When you say self-driving, you mean autonomous driving or oh, do you I mean... mean- yeah, I mean like manual, manual oh, mode. Okay, yes. just checking. Well, back to your point of you making of like, how, why do they have the stupid little steering wheel? Well, like they don't really expect people to actually drive the car. It's just like a, I'm. It seems like a weird throwaway option that that's they actually, have. Yeah, that's actually kind of funny because, like, well, first of all, it seems like there's like a clear dichotomy of the two because later he has a motorcycle and they don't imply in any way that the motorcycle could be autonomous. So it's like. Clearly, people are opting for self-driving cars over most other modes of transportation. What's established in the world, just based off kind of offhanded remarks, is one, they don't actually manually drive their car. It's all self-driving. It's Mm -hmm. all autonomous. Mm -hmm. All right. That's one big thing. Another big thing is they're all electric because with the motorcycle point. Wait, wait, wait. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Yes. (laughs) Boogie, woogie, woogie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So the cars... Most of the cars are electric. Like Will Smith having that motorcycle was an anomaly. And the first thing she reacts is like, this runs off of like, I forget, like gasoline or something. I forget what the, she yeah, actually Yeah, what refers. even do motorcycles run off of? Did I just say miter- motorcycle? Motorcycles. <laughs> what is a motorcycle? Is it like a saw? That, oh my God, I'm just imagining a motorcycle but with saw blades for tires. That's horrifying. That's also not one miter size. Okay. <laughs> Now that we got wildly off topic, okay, so you wanted to discuss self-driving cars and how close that was. So big points being, you know, autonomous car, but option to drive manually and also electric. And now comparing that to the current state of driving cars. 
So let's first start with just personal vehicles. All mm-hmm. right. And the big things right now is Tesla and Google mm-hmm. and what they're developing. And they both use different systems for how they do the like self-driving portion. So Google uses LIDAR. So it's like radar, like technology and radio waves. Yeah. Like if anyone's seen basically a car that has like this big spinny thing on top of it, that's like imagine a periscope that's just spinning around way too fast. That's basically how LiDAR works. It's this radar that it's shooting this very thin line or, well, it's a spread really out Mm -hmm. in each direction and it's scanning the 360 degrees around the vehicle. So it's not just collecting an image, it's collecting like a 3D map of what those radio waves run into. Tesla actually uses a slightly different technology because they have an autopilot feature and it's mainly using different sensors to kind of be the car's eyes. Mm -hmm. I think that one is a mix of infrared and different video cameras that Mm -hmm. combine with... So anyone who owns a Tesla can probably tell you this while they're being more smug and unbearable than most people. That's not fair. I have lots of friends who own Teslas and they're all (laughs) extremely nice people. And this is like, I'm not doing them any service. No, people who drive Teslas, you're all fine. We're just jelly. (laughs) We're super hella jelly. Me and my stick shift mini over here. Those people with their Tesla Model 3s can tell you that there's a USB port well, you can plug in a hard drive, and the way the hard drive works is it it just records video of a, the 360 degrees around the car. And this is like you can use it, like it's constantly collecting it, so you can use it like, um, what's it called? Uh, dash cam, but 360 degrees. Ah. You can use it for, like it will just record it. And then it's also part of sentry mode, so... Newer cars, because they have this 360 view, mm-hmm. if you walk too close to them, they'll get really uppity and Hal will be like, step away from the car, except it won't actually say anything. <laughs> Basically, like a Hal red light will, anyone who's familiar with the space, 2001 A Space, space Odyssey. Odyssey? Yes. Yeah, I was like, I was sure Hal, going with that. Um, like that, the robot, you know, the red blinking light that everyone associates with like dangerous AI? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we all know Hal, Cameron. Okay. Well, Tesla apparently thought it'd be really funny to put that as a sentry mode. So if you walk up to it, you can see the tablet display inside the Tesla shows that to show that it's in sentry mode, meaning that all the cameras are watching. So if you come up and vandalize a car or whatever, it's going to see you. Ah. It's going to see your actual face. And that's the thing. is like It's not even a proof of concept anymore. It's like a real world product where they've taken computer vision and in some cases infrared so when it's too dark you know infrared light actually works a lot better than normal light and they use that to stitch together a map of the surroundings of the tesla so that they can use it for the autopilot yeah and now you know and now i know yeah it's in my opinion they're not getting quite to irobot levels but i think it's getting close the one thing irobot introduces is that I actually think it takes all sorts of cars to the next level is a concept that the cars can move in 2D space. Mm-hmm. So this this might sound silly to most people who are like, yeah, cars already do that. They don't go on rails. So the concept here is in iRobot, a lot of the vehicles actually have spheres for tires. And anyone who's seen it, there's like a million different ways to make omnidirectional tires. But the benefit is when you parallel park, you don't actually have to, you know, parallel park the classic way. You basically pull up to the spot. As long as you are the width of the spot, you just slide right in. Yeah, you just do a little funky, like, shuffle yeah, into like the you spot. Yeah, like, you, you pulled up moving in the forward direction, and then you immediately move right. Like, there is no turning. It's just your car now moves to the right, and you're in the spot. That makes your car more agile. It means that your car can suddenly move 
very deliberately in those two axes without the need for you to turn like the wheel necessarily in the classical sense. That's convenient because a self-driving car doesn't have to figure out a K turn or a T turn or whatever when it wants to turn around. It just spins around in place or it just drifts to the side or whatever. It can do those things. And because it has a 360 degree view like that, it has full sensory awareness of its surroundings. So that, I mean, I feel like that's where we should go and that's like where things are going to end up eventually. But I also feel like at this moment, if that were to be put on a like self-driving car in combination with all our real world cards, that would like mess things up in the flow of things and in how people react to that. Uh, Like it would definitely mess with you because you wouldn't, you'd be used to seeing a car turn like that. Like if I'm changing lanes where I'm suddenly just like jolt over, mm-hmm. that would be really confusing. And it'd probably put a lot of drivers who are adjacent to you on edge because like normally if I see a car coming into my lane, it has to drift into my lane, but this one would literally just close the distance and it might be a little harder to notice. So one of the biggest barriers right now to self-driving cars isn't actually the technology per se. It's, impredictability of humans because human drivers like there was one article so funny they said how they researchers were going into miami and it was one other area but miami stuck out at me because like i know miami drivers and so they were going specifically in places with like notoriously like kind of crazy drivers just people who you mean all of miami yeah so all of miami yeah and they were going there to observe different behaviors and they mentioned like just kind of like just insane behaviors of like oh and someone like like no machine would even think to look out for because it shouldn't be possible <laughs> it's like That's no amazing. but people do these things you'd be amazed what elderly people can do <laughs> yes and actually so two things going on here well, there's three things. First of all, Florida is a first. It's officially the one of the first states to, and I think they are the big ones adopting. Like, come here and test your autonomous cars. Um, Florida's pushing that. Arizona is the biggest one. That's where most people are doing their testing because Arizona has very relaxed like motor vehicle laws, and so there's basically no barriers to them testing. That's what you want when you're testing safety: relaxed motor vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> and for and actually, Florida makes sense because I know Florida has pretty relaxed motor vehicle laws, mm-hmm. also. So I can see why they would also be pushing like, yes, come here, test your things. Now, for the human elements, there's actually two things going on. The first has to do with the autonomous driving itself. Human beings, we can drive a car by ourselves, where we're no, we're supposed to be in charge of the car the whole time Mm -hmm. we can give control over to a computer like we're okay with letting a computer take over as long as the computer will reliably take the car where it needs to go Mm -hmm. we are not attentive enough to receive control from the computer though so let's say the computer has been driving self-driving and it's like hey i'm gonna let you take over now you there's like depending on how it does that unless it very clearly alerts you the driver that you need to take over or whatever you probably won't be paying attention when it does and then you crash yeah absolutely not like unless it's just in barring like just <laughs> you just hear bah, bah, like yes. noises like no one's gonna be like that actively paying attention and two i think there's a reaction time with that because mm-hmm. think of a computer says take over control now that's gonna take you I don't know, five, 10 seconds even to just like process and do that action. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing is like humans, our reaction time is not great to the point where if you ask most self-driving experts, they'll tell you, I'm willing to bet all self-driving experts will tell you like, yes, 
an autonomous car can drive itself and it should never rely on the human to take over for it. Yes. <laughs> because that will end poorly nine out of 10 times. And, and like, so Google has, Google has plans that they're trying to develop vehicles actually without like steering wheels and pedals and stuff for that reason mm -hmm. of just, it's automatically assumed humans not taking control. Yeah. And I think a lot of the rideshare companies are also on that same bandwagon because the goal is to make taxis like autonomous cars that never ever need human intervention. Ooh, and that's a great segue because there is one other thing I wanted to bring up. In doing this research, another big area is because you think self-driving cars, you automatically like jump to, you know, oh, like everyone's individual car on the motorway. Mm -hmm. But actually, there's a lot of big advances in public transportation. And so specifically found the many different countries across the U.S. These, I'm sorry, many different countries across so, the U.S.? Oh my gosh. Many Sam? different companies across the U.S. Sam? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't realize Germany was in the U.S., Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry, You need I to misspoke. go check the world map real no. fast about where Sweden is inside of the United States. There are many different companies across the U.S. <laughs> that are starting shuttle services. And so they're self-driving cars. They're on a predefined route. So mm -hmm. it's way easier. And they're electric and they're going at low speeds. So there's a lot of, one, it's electric. That's just better. And two, you the low speeds, there's more confidence in people <laughs> about, you know, getting into this vehicle of it maybe crashing or maybe not crashing. And, and the predefined route. So it's making it a lot easier. And I think that's really one of, I think that's the big direction that we should push towards. And the other thing is they're often in a closed off area. Like if you look at mm -hmm. the terms of service for using the autopilot for Tesla, it's supposed to be in a closed off non-traffic area, even though people don't do that. Yeah. But like, I, I think the first place we'll probably see this is actually amusement parks. I'm willing to bet that Disney will have autonomous trams fairly soon oh yeah that and that would be great also like, yeah and uh i think we jumped away from this before i could get to this point but i think it kind of fits in here is the second reason human beings are actually like this weird conundrum for autonomous driving and this kind of goes back to like when you go to different campuses there's a transient population this idea that you have a group of people who live in a certain area mixed with a group of people who are not used to that area are probably not even living in that area they're moving through mm -hmm. examples of this are metropolitan centers like new york city dc los angeles places where a lot of people are coming through and it's very convenient for them to get into an autonomous car and what's happening like what you'll see normally and this is probably why they want to go study this in miami is florida in general has a very transient population a lot of people coming from caribbean countries Latin America, the state, like other parts of the United States. Yeah, the and, north. <laughs> and the thing is, every single place has its own rules on how to drive. So you come up to a stoplight and it turns green. And in Florida, I know if it turns green and there's no actual dedicated turn lane, it's kind of assumed that you get to turn if you're going to turn. And you're just like, you just got to like jump in and do it and no one will question it. But if you come from like other countries, a lot of Caribbean countries traffic lights are more like suggestions and people will just mm -hmm. straight up drive through them or a paved or like in some places like a paved road doesn't mean one way and so all these different details like even if the person executing them is an incredibly rare edge case the fact that this flow assumes that every car is going to behave the same the moment one car doesn't 
completely screws with everything else. Oh, yeah. When you have that one unpredictable thing, then it just it's just a like domino effect kind of messing yeah. things up. And that's kind of what's important about these early trials is like they acknowledge that these buckwild drivers exist because mm-hmm. hu- every human being is like it's really hard to throw a group of humans into a single category. We're all so different all the way down to way, the way we drive. So when they want to test these things, it makes more sense to keep them on a closed track where they can at least test their reliability in this one pattern because they won't have control over drivers on the highway. They probably will barely have control over drivers in a suburban setting. And so it's very important for them to have a reliable place to test and also have that sampling. I think that's also good for customers and like the people using cars. Cause I know like I'm personally a little hesitant towards self-driving cars. Like the initially the idea is like, Oh, I like driving. I like having that control. Mm-hmm. But, but really if I were to have enough exposure to it and enough exposure to it being safe and completely normal, then I'm not going to bat an eye when it becomes my own car being self-driving. So I think having like this predefined routes and having these shuttle services and then experiencing that, then it's going to just make um, most people more comfortable with the idea of self-driving cars honestly the funny thing is like the goal self-driving cars is supposed to solve is like giving you more personal time because we spend so much time stuck in traffic being focused in traffic it would be nice to be able to spend that time you know cross-stitching or working on something for work or just watching a movie and relaxing even uh, more immediate is i know there's big push to try and use autonomous cars to solve like this um like semi-truck transportation industry yeah. and like transporting goods all across America. And I'd completely want to avoid the question of like, how does automation displace the workforce? Well, that That is a conversation. Oh yeah, that's, that's a whole different topic. Have, yeah. <laughs> but I think we can all acknowledge that the real benefit of autonomous cars or even just autonomously assisted cars, mm-hmm. cars that give us that little bit of help when we're losing control or not paying attention on the road, is that according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, every year, Somewhere in the ballpark of 35,000 people die because of traffic accidents. And these are not malicious accidents. These are not people going out of their way to hit other cars. This is you've got a little drowsy driving or there's something happened in the road or any number of small things that on a normal day you would have been fine. But it was just the one day where everything had to go wrong in just the right way for a car accident. And I think we can all agree that as much as automation is a scary thing to see, Having technology assist us in our everyday life can have real benefits and save thousands of lives a year. I read something where someone pointed out how, you know, we have like anti-lock brakes and we have power steering and that's like technology assisting our safety. And then this is just the next step of that. Yeah, we have things like lane control. Basically, there are sensors on either side of the car that are just looking for those check marks on the ground and mm-hmm. honestly it itself is not perfect technology sometimes if the check marks on the ground don't perfectly line up with something because of road work they can have issue but that's not to say that there aren't countless times a year where someone might have accidentally drifted into another lane and if that can save even one of those lives it's worth it yeah anyway i think on that somber note <laughs> would you like to take us out sam find me on instagram at lil.baby.banshee that's l-i-l dot baby dot banshee and you can also find my new food blog called the sampler it's at the sampler dot blog check it out and you can find all sweating the small stuff on social media at small stuff show we have a patreon we have a subreddit please do go to our small stuff show and feel free to comment on any of our posts with your thoughts 
And if you have small stuff you're swinging, reach out to us on smallstuffshow at gmail.com. And I think like a lot of podcasts would say, go like, subscribe. I don't want you to do that. Are you in your Apple podcast app right now <laughs> about to leave us a great review? I mean, do that. But here's what I really want you to do. This is my call to action for all you loyal listeners. This was an awesome episode. I'm sure you'll agree. You learned something about autonomous driving. And I'm sure there's someone in your life who would also love to hear about this or maybe even ask us a question. I want you to go find that person. I want you to sit them down and force this episode on them so that they can bask in the knowledge and glory and pop culture references that is sweating the small stuff because they've earned it and they will thank you for it. Yes, share the knowledge. Make this world smarter. Go for it. <laughs> anyway, I've been your personal brain trainer, Cameron Booza Jamari, reminding you from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. You want to do the intro? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that's how we're having it. Yes, that's how we're well, having we're it. We're recording. All right, good.